Welcome to the Two Cents FC podcast. I'm your host, Amobi Kugo, with my guy, L. Each week, we'll be discussing topics from around the soccer world, and I'll be giving my thoughts from the perspective of a pro soccer player. This week, we'll be discussing Champions League, knockout stage, including Man City, escaping a ban, and we catch up with MLS's back tournament. Also, today, we got my good friend, teammate, former teammate, uh, Tristan Bowen. Quick, quick rundown. First... MLS homegrown player, uh, currently playing for Oakland Roots, holds his own podcast, a pro's life podcast. Uh, we're definitely going to dive into his his journey, what he's currently doing, and then get into these topics. So Tristan, thank you for taking the time. Uh, catch me up. What's going on? It's been a while. Much. Thanks for having me, brother. You know, I always got to support, show some love whatever, with, with whatever you got going on. So uh, yeah, man, doing my thing, doing my thing, working hard behind the scenes. Um, you know, as you as as you know, I'm playing with the Oakland Roots now, uh, so I'm staying active, um, still within the soccer community, uh, and I'm doing a lot of work behind the scenes with the pro's life. You know, it's been down for a little bit. Um, had to reassess and reevaluate the uh, direction that we were going in, um, and that's been a, a long venture. But we're finally getting to the point where it's uh, hopefully coming out soon. Um, so I'm excited about that, man. No, that's big time. You know, you were one of the first soccer players um, to really kind of get into the podcast space with the pros life. But you were also one of the first soccer players to be a homegrown. Talk about your journey, you know, with L.A. Galaxy and then how you ultimately came to Oakland Roots. Yeah, um, first homegrown player in MLS soccer history. Um, and that was that was definitely a blessing, I think, for me. Um you know, embarking on a journey to to become a professional soccer player by by the time I was 17 uh, was something that, you know, it seemed impossible because when we were growing up, you know, there was no straight uh, pathway, you know, to the pros. Um, and you just kind of navigated your way as you as you went along, you know, and I, I did things a little bit untraditionally, played club soccer for uh, probably like a year, year and a half um, in Los Angeles. Um, and it just, it, it wasn't for me. Um, I think uh, things were a lot more complicated than they needed to be. Um, and I wasn't growing as a player. So that's when I started traveling. I uh, went to Brazil um, and being in Brazil played a huge role in my development. So, um, you know, I was back and forth in Brazil, uh, traveling the world, went to Holland, uh, been to a bunch of different countries in Europe. Uh, to just further my development and uh, learn how to play the game uh, on a global on a global stage. Um, so yeah, you know, I think uh, my my pathway to the LA Galaxy was a bit unconventional, but I made it there by the time I was 17, uh, and it was it was hard, you know, uh, <laughs> going in there when there was no development league or anything like that was was challenging, especially coming up against guys like Landon Donovan and Edson Buttle and David Beckham and you know, our team was strapped with guys that have played on the U.S. national team and, and other national teams and has had a lot of experience at that time. So um, the learning curve was was huge. Um, but I also think that uh, that played a big role in me growing up in a, in a quick way. Um, so I had to, to learn how to swim pretty quickly. Um, but like I said, I think that's that's gone on to play a big role in my career and, and definitely opened a lot of doors for me after that. No, that's amazing. And quick backstory, you know, just to speak to your unorthodox pathway, you know, when we grew up together, uh, at first U15 camp, Tristan comes <laughs> into the U15 national team camp, and usually, you know, it's like club, ODP, 
everyone knows like the pathway you went. And Tristan comes yeah. out of nowhere. Some kid from LA, earrings in, but no one ever knew <laughs> like where he was playing. So it's like, yeah. like, yo, who's this dude? Like, and then so fresh to death. Yeah, fresh to death. Everyone's like, yo, who's this dude? Where'd he come from? Like, what club team he played for? And no one really yeah. knew, but it speaks to there's so many different ways to the top of the mountain. And uh, yeah. from a development standpoint, there's no one size fits all. You know, with homegrown, with academy, with all these different pathways, you know, talent is going to be found. So can you speak on that, like, from the sense of, like, where you started to how you see the game now? Like, younger kids are starting early. They're finding different pathways. What are, like, yeah. some key things when it comes to development? Yeah, I think from my experience, I learned early on that uh, everybody has a different path. And there's, like you said, there's no one way or one size fits all. Um, for me, you know, leaving traditional high school and doing the independent studies, um, you know, that that was specifically tailored to me and my personality and what my strengths are, you know. So I was I needed to create a bubble and insulate myself so that I can actually uh, thrive. Um and nowadays you see, you know, a lot of kids are starting to go into Europe a lot quicker, you know, um, at an earlier age, at an earlier age. Um, but I think that's because America does have talent. You know, we do have a lot of talented kids. Um, in my experience going to Brazil, um, I was with uh, Corinthians for a short period of time. And I noticed that, you know, up until the U17 age, we can compete globally. Um, and I think that's also, you. people are also seeing that on the, uh, the the international stage with the Youth World Cups. But, you know, that gap from 17 up until you're a professional player, there's there's a lot of missed uh, training opportunities, games, and things of that nature in this country. Um, I can't speak, uh, you know, intelligently towards that now because I've been so far removed from it. But I think we are making uh, some strides in that direction, but, um, you know, it's good to see younger players going out there, to, you know, having the guts to test their ability abroad, um, which is usually a little bit more challenging than the, the level here in the U.S., and there's a lot that comes with it, you know, it's not just going and playing soccer in a different country, it's, you know, the lifestyle change, the, um, the culture, the language, um, so kudos to everybody that's doing that, um, but yeah, man, it's, it's good to see, and, and I think that, um, the more we do that, the more, uh, you know, American soccer is going to thrive, you know, both at the international level, but also domestically within the MLS. No, that's, that, that's a great point. And I, I highly recommend that, you know, anyone listening should heed your advice when it comes to development. There's no one size fits all. I think it's really important for someone to find the best environment that challenges their yeah. ability to get better. Um, yeah. And that's the biggest thing. Like you have, you know, it's not, you know, it's not about playing on the biggest club team or mm -hmm. academy team or whatever is going on in this country right now. It's it's about um, understanding that the cream is always going to rise to the top. You know, right. like you said, when we came to the U15, like, I didn't know anybody. I was, I was like a deer in headlights, man. Like the level was so different. Um, but that also is a testament to what I was doing on my own, which was, you know, putting the work in and, and getting to that point where I'm at the national level. Um, and it showed me what I needed to do. And I went back and I did it. Um, but, you know, I would say the biggest thing for, you know, the youth coming up is um, trying to find somebody as a point of reference, a mentor, um, you know, a trainer that you trust that is all about your development as a player um, and not into the hype of, you know, this team and nationals and this. I don't even know if there's National Cup anymore, but like all this other stuff, you know, like at the end of the day, 
um, it's it's about your your ability on the field when you're evaluated and you know Mobs is when you go to a team it's like it doesn't matter where you play it is can you do the job you know so if kids focus on that um, and understand that you're not competing against the kids in America that's the tip of the iceberg like you're competing yeah. against a worldwide pool of players um, and anytime you think that you're good enough like understand there's somebody else out there so they keep that in mind man and and I, I guarantee you that you, you're going to get a lot farther than you you could imagine. That's facts. And you know, you spoke about the you know the growth of soccer in America. You know, not just from MLS standpoint, not from USL standpoint, but other leagues as well. Talk about how Oakland Roots convinced Tristan to come out, come back out. You know, <laughs> and spread his wings. Yeah, no, it was. Um, I had a couple friends here, um, some people that I played against in MLS, like uh, Victor Bernardes. Um, we actually got connected through the Open Goal Project um, with Amir Lowry um, and some of his, his good friends, um, uh, Simon. I, I was drawing a blank for a second, but we did a couple camps together and, um, you know, we were hitting a couple balls and he's like, hey, you know, looks like you can still play, you know, so. LA pickup um, games he was doing, man. Yeah, yeah, you know, and, and I've always... Yeah, yeah. So like, you know, I think after 2014, when I came back uh, from Europe, um, after my preseason with the, the Rebs, the New England Rebs, I was a bit dejected. Um, and I needed a break, you know, mentally and emotionally, I wasn't all the way there. There were a lot of things happening in my life, on a personal level that needed to be addressed. And I think that that time off uh, gave me the opportunity to do that and, and just kind of look a little bit uh, further ahead, you know, along the lines of what I want to do with the rest of my life, but also just introspectively, like figuring out what it is that, you know, makes me tick or why I am the way I am. Um, and after a lot of that work was done, you know, the opportunity came to, um, you know, potentially play in Oakland. Um, and it was just a, a perfect storm. You know, my, my, my wife's family lives in uh, the San Francisco Bay Area. Um, I'm here all the time. I have a training business here. Um, so, you know, it was just kind of like a lot of things fell into place and it wasn't, uh, me forcing it. Um, it was just a natural thing and it, it actually would have felt like I was, uh, trying not to have, not to have the game in my life if I chose not to play here. So, you know, it's an interesting project. Um, there's, there's a lot of good guys on the team. Um, so for me, it was an opportunity to come out, see if I, uh, if what I felt was, um, you know, I felt like I still had it in me that I wanted to play. Uh, so being here has given me the opportunity to, you know, um, I wouldn't say test that because I know that I want to play, but it was more along the lines, give me the opportunity to step into the game again at a professional level um, and just go from there. So like I said, it's it's a cool project. I think what they're doing is great. Um, I like their, their approach to, um, you know, just helping the community of Oakland and how rooted they are in the community. And I think that's something special and unique in U.S. soccer right now. So excited to be here. And, and uh, you know, I'm looking forward to playing again whenever this pandemic thing kind of, you know, slows down a little bit or or gives us that opportunity to step on the field competitively. No, I respect. And, you know, what you guys are doing with Oakland Roots from a com community standpoint, from a marketing standpoint, uh, it's highly different to compared to, you know, the typical approach from soccer teams in America. So. Obviously, you guys got a lot of exposure, a lot of support. Uh, L was talking about he was going to rock his uh, roots uh, here, <laughs> had he known. Yeah. But 
There's yeah. a lot of a lot of a lot of good people within that organization, and I'm happy you are back in the game in an environment yeah. where you're happy and stuff. Appreciate that, bro. Yeah, you know the 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 people in the back office um, or the backroom staff for whatever we call it these days. But uh, there's some really smart guys back there. Um, I think there's a lot of support around the club. So you know, I think some big things are going to come from them, and they're going to continue, um, you know, making noise in in the U.S. in the soccer world and and outside of the soccer world as well. So. Yeah, it's a good club that that I've uh, I've had the privilege of being a part of so far. Respect. I definitely, hopefully, once COVID ends, I definitely see you guys making like a deep Open Cup run. Um, but with that being said, L, let's let's go through the topics and uh, continue this podcast. Yeah, definitely. Um, speaking of cups and tournaments, uh, Champions League kicks off um, in August, so the knockout round starts uh, August seventh. Um, and we'll resume with the knockout round. So we have the fixtures set up here. Um, and we'll kind of go through these and kind of see what you guys' opinion is and who you think will be the winners of each uh, each fixture. So starting August 7th, yeah, Juventus versus Lyon. So for me, uh, Juventus, <laughs> Juventus is winning that. Lyon, coming off like the long break, they haven't had any you know games compared to Serie A. Um, I, I got Juventus winning that. Cristiano's on form. Dybala's on form. Um, they're, they're, they've been good over the past four or five years in Champions League. Yeah, I, I got Juventus winning that. Yeah, I was actually wondering what was going on with the French League because I haven't seen them in a bit. So I would agree with that as a professional player, understanding how much of a break affects, um, you know, uh, your your performances, I would I would go at Juve as well. Um, like you said, Ronaldo has been. I think I saw a statistic that said he was out of the goal the the Golden Boot race, and then all of a sudden, you know, since the break, he's been six goals in seven matches. So, and the ball, it looks like he finally figured out how to play with uh, Ronaldo. So that's going to be something that's dangerous to deal with, you know. So I'm taking Juve on that one. <laughs> Respect. <laughs> all right. So we got Man City versus Real Madrid. Okay, okay. I have a question because they played the first leg. Are they counting that? Um, I'm not sure. So some some of these have already been played, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think they count it. I think okay. it's just the second leg now. Okay. I think uh, I'm going with Madrid. You know, they just won the La Liga. Respect. Uh, Madrid's like one of my second teams. Uh, I'm going Madrid. Uh, Pep, Pep without Messi and Champions League, <laughs> he's not he's not built for it. I got Madrid. See, I'm going to go with City here, and the reason why is because I feel like, excuse me, since Madrid uh, lost Ronaldo, there's been a bit of an identity crisis. I've actually watched a few of their games, and I don't know. I'm not convinced. Um, I think they're just scraping by, you know, and a lot of people can, I think, can say that, you know, La Liga is not as competitive as other leagues. So, you know, you play against a massive team like Real Madrid, you know, a lot of teams are, you know, they're going to, they're going to kind of roll over sometimes. So uh, I think I like the way City's been playing. Um, you can you can never count out the way that they play. It's very effective. Um, and I think, you know, people are starting to fire like Mares. I really like him. I like the way he's making an impact coming off the wing. So, yeah, you know, I think Sterling's kind of getting into it as well. He's got another – it looks like he's going to sign like a $200 million Adidas deal. So <laughs> he's going to be – you know, he's going to be lighting the feet. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so <laughs> I'll take it City on this one. Okay, fair enough. Uh, we definitely gonna have to talk about why you think La Liga is a weak league, though. They win the Europa I, I League. Think, they're always in Champions League. 
I think from top to bottom, right? Like if you compare it to like Bundesliga, right? I never actually, I never used to watch Bundesliga until the break. Uh, this whole quarantine thing happened. I'm actually like sitting down and watching it. Like it's competitive from top to bottom. Like anyone can beat anyone. Whereas like, I feel like in La Liga, it's, that's not the case, you know? Um, and the same thing with, with the EPL, the EPL, you never know what you're going to get, you know? Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I think, I think in general, Real Madrid and Barcelona have been underperforming um, in terms of what they're accustomed to playing at, that level that they're accustomed to playing at. So, yeah, I don't know. If if I had to rank the leagues, I would probably say EPL. Uh, I'm going to leave it at EPL. EPL is number one. I can't okay. do the rest after that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it's because of the product of television, how they, you know, produce That's their true. games. That is because true. EPL, they, nah, I'm not. I'm nah, not, not with a that. fan. Nah. I'm not rocking with that. Well, I, I can kind of, I can kind of understand that because, like, I remember when I went to Brazil the first time and seeing, uh, like, a Corinthian Sao Paulo game in person, and seeing how quickly the game moves, the pace at which the players are moving at, and how much uh, their technical ability, right? And then I watch it when I came back to the U.S. and like, you can't see that on TV, so. You know, there's a lot of things. There's a lot of intricate things that we don't see on TV. So, hey, you know, I could be wrong. You know what I'm saying? Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. So who we got next? All right. Speaking of Bundesliga and EPO, um, we got Bayern and Chelsea. Oh, uh, yeah. I already know what you're taking the movie. No, no. I got to be honest with myself. Bayern, they're front runner for Champions League. You know, um, the only way Chelsea can kind of get back out of this is a miracle, but Byron is firing on all cylinders. Um, Lewandowski probably might get Ballon d'Or. Um, yeah, it's going to be bad. Really? For yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I want to support Chelsea because I know Christian Pulisic is on there. We got Americans, so we got to always support. While I hope he scores a couple goals and does well and solidifies his spot on the team, I got to go with Bayern. I think yeah. the way they play is dangerous, you know, with Fonzie on the side, on that wing, too. Like, yeah. he's coming into his own. Um, I like the way they play, so I'm taking Bayern on this. And I don't even know what the aggregate is, but it's, even if it was... Bad, it's a bad aggregate. Like, Bayern, yeah, yeah. Bayern got this. And you got to remember, there's no home and away. Everybody's playing in Portugal, so yeah, it's, you know, yeah, Bayern's taking that. Okay, and so we also have some quarterfinal matchups. Um, some some of the ties have already been kind of closed out. So we got the next round: Atalanta versus PSG. Who y'all got? Oh, I'll take PSG uh, on this one. Yeah, PSG. Yeah. I think uh, I know we mentioned Leon coming off a big break earlier, but with PSG, they got some big hitters: Neymar, yeah. Mbappe. Atlanta, Atalanta plays some beautiful soccer. They're really doing great things in Serie A, but I think PSG, this is the year that they can actually make like a legitimate run. So we'll see. Yeah, I'm, I'm taking PSG on this one as well. I haven't had a, the, the opportunity to really watch Atalanta pretty much uh, too much, but I saw them, I think, when they were at the, uh, the San Siro a long time ago. But I don't know. Um, like you said, I think PSG got some big players that have been in the, the tournament and been this far several times, so they understand what it takes to win, and we'll see. But I'm taking PSG on this one. Uh, okay, let's see. We got Leipzig and Atletico Madrid. Who we got? Oh, uh, Atletico. I'm going Atletico for sure. Leipzig's good, but Atletico, when it comes to 
tournament fixtures when you it's like one off games, I can I know I can trust Diego Simeon and what he's going how he's going to line up his team. So for me, it's definitely going to be interesting because from that quarterfinal set, there's going to be a, someone that hasn't been to the final or actually besides Atletico. Um, so I'm going with Atletico for this one. Yeah, uh, I feel like I'm agreeing with everything you said. <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely going to uh, Atletico here. Um, they have experience being in a big, uh, a big tournaments like this. It's not their first go around. Uh, Leipzig, I think they can hit them at the break. You know, but um, at the same time, I think they're they're susceptible to getting scored on. And you know, the two the the few games that I did watch, I think uh, their center backs are a little bit uh, susceptible to making some silly mistakes and bad fouls. So, mm-hmm. you know, um, yeah, I think Atletico they they have the experience, they know what it takes to get to the next round. So I'm yeah. pulling for them. And they don't have to worry about Timo Werner. So that's yeah, big- that's true. Exactly. Exactly. All right, so who do y'all got winning it all? Oh, well, as much as I hate to say, I think Byron's, I think Byron's going to do it this year. Yeah. Um, yeah, honestly, I think it's going to be a toss up between um, Byron and City, to be honest with you. I think it's going to, yeah, Byron, City, and Juve. Um, I'm going to, eh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a United supporter, so. I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Juve. I'm gonna go with Juve. Oh wow! Cristiano, Cristiano understands how to win at the the highest level. Yeah, Cristiano hey. wins Champions League with three different teams like that. That's, that's listen. That's if he can better. if he can help Portugal win the Euros with the squad he had and coming up against all those other teams, I think he can pull Juve in. You know, okay. it's not like they have a completely inexperienced squad. You know, um, they've been to the finals without them. Granted, they they've lost a few players. And, uh. Um, but I think I think they know how to make a make a push to the final, and I think they know how to win a one-off game. So I'm gonna go with you, babe. If he wins six Champions Leagues with three different squads, that I the mean, goat, the goat. What you think? Goat set. Oh, that's 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 tough. He's bringing it to Juventus too. Who hasn't won in how long? Yeah, yeah a minute. Uh, Argue the ar- arguments are there. I would say that you know yeah, he played in yeah. three different leagues. He wasn't debuted by the same club. Could yep, be there. Yep. Could, be, could be argued. Yeah, I agree with that. And, you know, I think Messi, if the, the conversation of Messi versus Ronaldo, like Messi is is more natural. But I respect, um, you know, the Messi's talent is just, it's God-given, yeah. right? And he sees things a certain way that nobody else sees. And, and like, we, I've gotten lucky and had got a chance to play against them at the Rose Bowl, and that was nuts. But, you know, seeing what Ronaldo has been able to accomplish throughout his career just from sheer will and determination, like you can't, you can't, uh, you can't put that to the side. You know, you gotta, you gotta factor that into the the, the equation. So, I don't know, man. I I think I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I don't think there's a real answer to that question. I think let's we should just, just enjoy them. Just, you know exactly. what I'm saying? Let's just enjoy, just enjoy it. Their greatness. Exactly. Well, one team that will get to enjoy Champions League for at least the next two years if they make it is Man City. So. They've been able to escape their ban. Um, so back in February, they were banned by UEFA for serious breaches of financial monitoring rules and failing to cooperate with the investigators. Um, so the then English champions um, were accused of deceiving UEFA in order to comply with financial fair play regulations um, and they appealed their ruling. And so as, as of recently, they won their appeal at the Court of Arbitration for Sport um, and they were free to play in Champions League next season. Um, 
and they also got their fine reduced from 30 million euros to 10 million euros, citing that some of the allegations were past the statute of limitations. Um, so there's been criticism from other uh, Premier League managers um, on the ruling. So Klopp and Mourinho criticized the ruling and signals that financial fair play rules have been bent, can be bent or broken to certain clubs. Um, so what are you guys' reactions to this situation? Uh, I knew this was going to happen. Once it was, when it was originally <laughs> announced that they were going to be fine and going to be out of Champions League, I was like, okay, $30 million fine. Okay, they'll reduce it. And then the, the, the rest of the money will be evenly distributed to some key decision makers to make sure this all goes away. <laughs> so I'm not surprised so you, at all. You, you're like a conspiracy theorist. So you think oh. there are some backroom deals going on. Yeah, you know me. I'm big on conspiracy theories, but this one's great. <laughs> this one's brilliant. I knew Man City was not going to get in trouble. You can't have one of your top teams out of Champions League. Uh, the amount of money that, yeah, the amount of money that they put into the organ, yeah, no chance. Mm. You know what? I'm 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 not shocked. Nothing shocks me in this day and age. Um, but to be honest with you, um, I didn't expect this happening. To be a hundred percent honest with you, I thought I honestly thought that. They were probably going to get a, some sort of suspended, um, uh, um, you know, whatever the word I'm looking for. I don't want to say sentence. I've been watching too many prison shows, but like <laughs> some sort of suspended ban, right? Uh -huh. Like maybe one year or something like that. I think two years is a bit, a bit much, but it just kind of shows you that at the end of the day, like, listen, this financial fair play kind of thing, it's, it's to me at least, it's BS. Nobody really understands it. It's very intricate. It's very, it's, there's so many things that uh, play a role in it. And I think that as with anything in this world, when it comes to money, there are a lot of things that you can do to make it appear as if you're playing by the rules. Um, so I'm, I'm not shocked, but I'm shocked. I would have liked to have seen um, them out of the Champions League for two years, especially as a Man U supporter right now. We can use a little bit of luck on our side, but um, no, I think, I think it's, it's, despite the ruling and the fact that they're going to be there um i think fans and and general you know soccer fans are going to appreciate the fact that they're in there because they are a massive team they do play good football um exciting football so i'm on in one hand i'm disappointed in the other hand i'm happy you know because I, I don't know who would have stepped in in their place and uh you know who would have been who would have stepped in in their place i think um in the in the epl would that have been leicester city or something like that so one of these teams that probably doesn't play the most attractive football. So, yeah, it's all good with me at the end of the day. No skin off my back. As long as Man U ends up beating City anytime we play them, we're good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you bring up a great point, like making Man City the scapegoat, but nah. Because no the same thing happened with PSG, right? You uh -huh. know, and they didn't get the ban. So you, you just never know. And these are, I think there's a lot of uncertainty or just kind of new, new, um, charts to 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 kind of like uh figure out with all this financial fair play because there's a lot of money that's being dumped into these clubs you know so uh, say for instance newcastle gets taken over you know what's going to happen there there's going to be a bunch of money going getting pumped in there so you know yeah I, I don't know i think it's just kind of a matter of your your relationships with people you got good relationships you'll be taken care of <laughs> Facts. yeah you right. see the common denominator with all of this with those teams that you named this sovereign wealth on the yeah, line yep. so you know these sovereign wealth funds owning the team and the shirt sponsors so there's like creative finessing yeah. going on with the you know the, the financing so right do you think there's something that's beyond soccer that is that's also contributing to it you know 
like uh, there's the, where the, where's the money coming from like Saudi Arabia and stuff like that do you do you feel like maybe that plays a role in it um at some some capacity or some level um i think so to a degree like like i just mentioned um like where they get their money from like oil and right. investments and stuff like that right. but like in city's case um being able to bend the rules because the owner of city also owns Etihad Airways so they can up the they can up the price of the shirt sponsor. Say, hey, we did a shirt deal for right. know, X amount of billions. Yeah, yeah, that's you know? true. That is true. So I like, all right, that's that. that's income on that's income on the board that we can use to buy mean? players. See what I mean? It's all confusing. Yeah, you know what I mean. So, but do you think that maybe if that's the case, then there should be some sort of rule that uh, if you own a club. And you own another business that your business can't sponsor, or they should limit the amount of funds uh, that are made available to the club. Do you think that would kind of, uh, you know, even the playing field? I think it'll be smart, but I don't think it'll happen. Yeah, yeah. good luck yeah. trying to make that happen. <laughs> right? They, yeah, they're, they're purposely doing that, like especially with uh, Man City. Like they have like a whole network. You know, they got New York City, yeah. they got Melbourne City, they got right. another two teams, one in uh, South America and another one strategically, I think, in Asia. Um, And then when they slap their own company sponsor on it, Etihad Airways, it's like global expansion, global exposure. So these uh, these business people are 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 very smart (laughs) how to go about their their business. Right. Facts. Facts. So jumping from one tournament to the next, um, coming back over here to America, the MLS is back tournament. Has kicked off and it's starting to heat up. Um, so it's been full of wild twists to date. Uh, we had a 10-man DC United team come back from two down to finish with a draw. Last night we saw San Jose um, Earthquakes come back from 3-1 to beat Vancouver 4-3 in the last second thriller. Um, and then we have arguably some of the better teams in the league, NYCFC, um, Inter Miami, and Atlanta sitting at the bottom of their groups. Um, so they, they may not even make it out of the group stages. Um, so what, are, what have been some of you guys' surprises, some of the surprise teams of the tournament? And what have been, what are you guys looking for um, in terms of favorites to win the tournament? Yeah, so, so far, um, I'm not sure how much you could speak on it, Tristan, but I've been watching most of the games. Um, I like, I like the soccer after like a long break has been good. You know, I was expecting it to be sort of like looking kind of like a preseason. Um, you know, when you go to preseason where the game's in Orlando or Phoenix and it's a little bit rusty and obviously there's some teams that showed a little bit of rust, but for the most part, you know, the level is pretty high. Um, Columbus is definitely a team that stands up, stands out. Philadelphia a team that stands out. Um, surprise team for me has been Orlando. Uh, but then again, for them to be in Orlando playing, um, I, I think that kind of has an X factor to it. Uh, another team I really liked was Salt, Salt Lake, you know, they uh, they're well-balanced team and they, um, they play well against Colorado. Um, definitely surprised about, you know, some of the bigger teams, Atlanta, NYCFC, uh, into Miami, especially we can't really say they're based on their players. Yeah. They're a big team, but they haven't proved anything. So I'm not really expecting much out of them, but Atlanta and NYCFC teams that have been doing well over the course of the last couple of years, um, it's really surprising to see. But then if you take into account, like, they're just not accustomed. They're used to, you know, being spoiled with resources or, you know, having that home field advantage. And you can see where 
this Orlando bubble kind of evens the playing field from that standpoint. Yeah. You know, so for me, I, I think I've watched maybe a half an hour of football of MLS back tournament. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> it's always been hard. Sleep, huh? Yeah, no, you know, it's always been hard for me uh, to be honest with you, but I, I kind of, um, when I was watching it, I, I think it was one of the first games. I don't remember who it is. And even if I did know who it is, I wouldn't say, it. but um, no, I, I always thought it was going to have a preseason feel to it. You know, you guys, you, you have guys, um, you know, on this, on this break, not knowing when things are going to kick off again, you're bringing them to a central environment, um, you know, and you're away from the comforts of your home. Um, it feels a lot like preseason, you know, so I, I'm not sure. I'm not shocked by any of the results. Actually, it kind of makes sense, right? When you look at the bigger teams, usually in preseason, they kind of coast their way through and then they start peaking, you know, once the season starts, midseason, being ready for the finals. So, you know, I think one of the things to to really consider is that, you know, how many of the guys are actually, you know, you know, really, really taking this as seriously as an, a normal MLS season, right? You know, it's kind yeah. of a condensed, it's kind of a condensed version of it. And I'm not questioning anyone's professionalism, but uh, you do understand as a player that, you know, there's, you know, Carlos Vela is, is back in LA with his wife um, for understandable reasons, but, you know, is it, how valid is a championship one under these circumstances, right? And same can, same thing could be said in the NBA season, you know, so I'm not shocked. Um, I think guys, guys are tired, you know, um, in the games that I watched and, and it's going to be, it's going to be challenging. I, I think anybody can win it at this point. You know, um, I wouldn't be surprised if, if Orlando wins it, um, you know, being at home. Um, but, you know, I think it's a toss up to be honest with you. To me, I, I see it as any sort of uh preseason tournament. Um, you know, we'll see how that translates into the following season and see if there's some momentum. Um, but I, I, I'm not shocked. And I think that, you know, the next season when things kick back up again, if they kick back up again, um, you'll see the, 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 some sense of normalcy to uh, everything again with, you know, as the big teams being back at the, the number one spots. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You're being nice though. You know, I know you're not going to call anybody out, <laughs> but I feel like definitely there's a few players that are just crossing down the days. Like, okay, how long are we going to be here? I can get back home. Hopefully we don't have a season and then I can like chill. I feel like that's definitely prevalent and you, there's some teams that, you know, have a good camaraderie. You could just tell by their celebrations. You could tell like they're actually on the field that like, no, we're here to win. I don't care if it's a preseason game. I don't care if it's a scrimmage. I don't care if we don't get paid. Um, so there's a difference there, but um, like you said, it's all going to get better once hopefully things, you know, yeah, have some clarity. Exactly. Exactly. So we'll see what happens, you know, but, I don't, I could even give you a prediction of who's going to win. To be nah. honest with you, so I'll tell I you. I mean, but the MLS is like that, though. You know, yeah. any team, and you know, Moby, any team can go out and beat any team if they don't bring it. You know, That's it's I, I think there's there's a couple key players that make a difference, and then you have a couple key teams who, or a couple teams who have continuity within their team, so they understand how to play together. You know, during my time, that was like a Real Salt Lake. Their team stayed the same for such a long time. So even if they didn't have you know, quote unquote, great players individually, they knew how to play as a team so they can uh, beat you on any day. Um, but like I said, I, I think it's just a toss up at this point. Um, I so, probably should start watching a few more games. Uh, 
win or lose. You're not going to lose anything. I would say, do you think a coach could get fired based on the performance of the MLS's no. back tournament? No, no, no. I think there's so much out of their control. Um, you know, you, you can't, you can't, listen, we don't know what the bubble's like down there, right? Mm -hmm. It would be different if we were there and we can speak on it, um, you know, intelligently, but you know, there's, there's a lot of things. And I, I think I read something that said, um, Portland was doing a great job of supporting, uh, their, their players, families, um, and sending meals and stuff like that. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, there's so much going on in the outside world, not only this pandemic, um, but you know the racial injustice, all that stuff. It's 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 heavy, you know, mm -hmm. and it's taking a toll on people. Whether you think you're directly uh, affected or you might be indirectly affected. So, I if if I'm a GM um, or somebody that's making decisions, I certainly would not fire a coach under you know based on the the performances unless I really want him out. And this is just a great excuse. But I personally wouldn't fire anyone based on on what's going to happen uh, with this tournament. Okay, that's a good shout. Yeah, twenty twenty is a wash, man. Yeah, <laughs> it's, a, it's a wash. It's a reset. It's yeah. a reset. It's definitely a reset. You know, just kind of see where everything is at and see where we're going as just like human beings in general, and then you know collectively and just like twenty twenty one is that that bounce back. You know, respect. Yeah, it's gonna be interesting. You can get I, ugly jerseys too. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I think one coach gets fired or like a mutual. Termination. I'm not sure yet. I'm not sure. But I think there's gonna be one coach where GM is like, all right, this is a perfect time to reset. Um it's exactly. not gonna work out. So exactly. I think it's gonna happen. One coach, I'm not sure who it is. Um obviously we don't <laughs> want anyone to get fired, but I definitely think something's gonna happen. Something's gonna shake. Yeah. I mean, I feel like if if a team just goes out there and you know, just underperforms and it's just not up to the level and, and there are certain things that are unacceptable at, at any point, um, regardless. I mean, I think I've seen coaches get fired during preseason as well. So, you know, there are certain things that, that would constitute that, you know, if players just kind of go out there and lose 5-0 and the effort's not there and, you know, just a lot of fighting behind closed doors, you yeah. know. But it's all internal stuff. We would never find out about it anyway, you know. That's true. But, yeah. I mean, big point I just want to make, players can get fired, so – Players will exactly. be getting fired based on their exactly. performance here. So uh, anyone listening, make sure all my all my right. friends, all our friends, don't don't slip up. Facts. Yeah. All right. So now it's time for our rapid fire segment. Um, no card, yellow card, red card. My favorite so segment. For those, <laughs> so for those not familiar, no card, yellow card, red card is our rapid fire segment of the show where um, I'll read off a topic, and our guest and host, Moby, will give it a card. And no card means they agree with it, they're cool with it. Yellow card means it's a foul, but they'll allow it. Um, and red card is obviously a red card, you know, full stop, it's a no. Um, so let's jump right into it. Um, also, I, I try to give a little bit of context to these as well, because I know some of these can be layered. Um, so. First one, no card, yellow card, red card. Tabby, Tammy Abraham is called a championship-level striker by manager Frank Lampard, and he breaks down into tears. This is a legend. <laughs> um, so for those who aren't familiar with, with what he means by championship-level, the championship is the second division in English football. So he's basically saying he's a level, he's a step down as a striker. Um, so two, 
two opportunities for cards here. No card, go card, red card on Tammy crying and also on Frank's comments about him. I'll go right No card for Frank, uh, Coach Frank saying that. Um, no problem with that. That's that's <laughs> that's light. Like what? That's okay. You're gonna use that information to get better. Um, he didn't even say it publicly. He said it to him within the locker room, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So it's not like he's like going all in the press, like yo, someone get me, Tammy out of here. He's telling Tammy like as a motivation. If he didn't care, he wouldn't have said anything. He would just bench him. So he's using it as like motivation to improve. Uh, I can go on a whole rant about this, you know, this new generation. <laughs> you gotta coddle everyone, but do your thing. Yeah. Uh, and then Tammy, you know, I don't want to say it's not okay to cry, but like you, you in a you know a professional sports setting, like if you're not bringing it, people are gonna take your spot. So I, I'm gonna give him a yellow card. You know, he's a young guy. He's been coddled. He's been you know, showing up as the big man all his life, but now it's like, you know, you got to perform every day. And if not, we're going to bring Drew. And if not, we're going to buy Warner. If we're not, you know, so this is like a wake-up call. It's like, you're not just going, it's not going to be easy for you your whole career. So, yeah, big boys can cry, but we need to, we need to push forward, you know. If you want to be, a, if you want to be a big striker, you know, cry when you win Champions League or something. Cry when you win the yeah. league. Don't be crying because your coach li likes you enough to say <laughs> you need to get better. All right. So, um, at first, initially, I thought that this was um, said publicly, right? And if it was said publicly, um, you know, it calls into question. You know, I think you have to understand the the, the type of player you're dealing with. But since it was said uh, privately, that's no card. If anybody can tell you what level you're at, if any coach can tell you what level you're at, it can be Frank Lampard. You know, not only was he, uh, it, not only is he a Chelsea legend, an England legend, but the man scored goals too. So he knows what he's talking about. Um, what what I'm curious about is how it got out into the public. Um, but that's besides the point. So no card for Frank Lampard. Um, you know. <sighs> Did he cry in the locker room in front of everybody when he when he was told this? Was this a private meeting? Uh, I'm, I'm not sure the How did he I'm get not sure the full setting, but um, it was reported by uh, Sky Sports. So I, I don't know how exactly how it got out, but you know he probably cried yeah. in the car for sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I don't I don't know how they can confirm definitively that he cried. Uh, hey, listen, everybody reacts to things in different ways, so I'm not going to kill him about that. But it's just, um, I think, well, Moby touched on it. It's important to understand that if a coach is telling you something, um, that he cares, right? So, and he, and he wants to, 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 to get some sort of uh, reaction out of you. So, you know, I think Frank sees something in him, um, but he also sees that, hey, like, you know, this is a, this is a warning, right? That you guys step up your level. They are buying players. Giroud has has been playing, and the same thing is going going on with uh, Hudson Odoi. You know, where Pulisic is step, stepping up and doing this thing. You know, so so I think um, listen, when you're making you know hundreds of thousands of pounds a year or millions of pounds a year, um, these are things that build on the MLS level. So you know, no sympathy there. So no card on on uh, no card. Wait, no card for Frank. Lampard for uh for T Tommy Abraham I think that that's a that's a yellow uh, if you cry in front of everybody 
Uh, not that that's wrong, but listen, you know, you getting paid well to to hear these things. So yeah, that's a yellow if he cried in front of everyone. Uh, <laughs> all right. So sticking with Chelsea, um, no card. This is this is also a double card situation as well. No card, yellow card, red card. Chelsea's Williams, who's thirty one right now, rejects a three year deal from Inter Miami. Okay, so he's expressed interest in playing in the MLS when he's around the age of thirty five or thirty six. But he's on that. He's he's kind of odd man out a little bit at Chelsea right now. Um, so no card, yellow card, red card on him rejecting the deal, given his current situation. You know he'll be out of contract next season. And also no card, yellow card, red card on him thinking that at 35, 36, he can come to MLS. Like maybe he's not sure of MLS's changing philosophy of going younger. Um, so still having that older older mindset about how the MLS is now. So what do you guys thoughts on that one? Yeah, I'll take this. Uh, no card on rejecting the deal because he could definitely get more <laughs> go to like China or like back to Russia. Um, he's still 31. Like he's still got two, three, four solid years. Like if he wants to play at a top level. Uh, definitely red card if he thinks he's going to come in at 35 and be like, Oh my gosh, Williams coming to MLS. We have to take him. Like, nah, bro. That's definitely not gonna happen. <laughs> this, was, this was his. You got to strike when the iron's hot, and this was like a unique time for him to come. Um, I'm not sure like what his goals are. If he's trying to get back onto uh, the Brazil national team and like get one more World Cup in, but he's not getting that deal that he got now at 35, 36, he can come in like an El Senior, get like a TAM contract. But even then it's like, you're not going to be playing every game um, coming in at 35, 36. And you're not like that. Like, what's the appeal? If I'm a GM, I'm getting someone younger <laughs> that I can resell or someone that I can sell tickets. Like, I'm not even sure if you like fit into the demographic of whatever team I, I want you for, you know, do you speak English? Obviously you may speak Spanish and Portuguese, but I don't think, yeah, you know, it's not, it's not working out for me. If I'm a GM and uh, maybe they'll soon come, that's, that's not, not rocking out with that. So first part was uh, just refresh me on that. First part was um, him rejecting the deal with Inter Miami, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Three year yeah. deal, hundred K a week. Yeah, no card. I mean, I think at the end of the day, like like you said, he's a Brazilian international. Um, you know, I'm sure he has ambitions to play in the next World Cup. Um, so I'm not shocked about that. And I think that he still wants to be in Europe. I think being in Europe gives him the best opportunity to continue playing on the Brazilian national team if that's what his heart desires. Um, you know, thinking that he's going to come uh, to the MLS at what age is that? You know, if we're speculating about 35. Yeah, 35, 36 is what he said. 35, 36. Um, listen, at the end of the day, Willian is Willian, right? Um, I think if we're looking at him as a winger, somebody that's going to come in on the wing and play on the wing, play 90 minutes, play throughout the entire MLS season, that's going to be a little bit challenging. Um, not because he's not capable, but simply because of the age and the physicality and the pace of the league. Um, so I think that's going to be challenging. But at the same time, there's always going to be a market that is going to need a player of his caliber, right? And, um, it, you know, I, I, I hope that he speaks English by now, uh, <laughs> but I think Inter-Miami would have been a great fit. There's a huge Brazilian community down there. He's close to, um, you know, flying to and from Europe whenever he needed to. 
Um, I'm assuming you live in Europe for the majority of your life or a good amount of your life. You, you, you're probably going to be spending a good amount of time there. Um, and it's also not too far from Brazil. You can take a straight flight down. So I think that would have been an ideal situation. I can't see, uh, you know, Beckham's team having interest in him at that age um, for no other reason than just, you know, filling, filling up seats and, and understanding that he's going to give you, you know, uh, uh, you know, maybe half of the season that where he's going to play really well, he can provide a spark, but, you know, also can he play another position, you know, can he be effective, you know, in the central position in the MLS, you know, so yeah. I think it all depends. Everything is changing. So, uh, yeah, but he's not, he's not bringing in, he's not bringing in fans like a Zlatan and from a production standpoint, He's definitely not doing that, and like you, the argument could be made where he's like a top talent. Um, you know, Zlatan came at thirty-seven, but like Zlatan's a top twenty-five, thirty. Uh, let me say just top fifty player of all time. Where, right, Williams, right. And Williams, another good Brazilian winger in my opinion. But what about say for instance this? We're we're not even factoring into just your heritage, right? So say for instance, a Nigerian player. Uh, John L.B. McKell, right, comes to, you know, wherever, where you're at, right, if, if yeah. it's down in, in Austin or something like that, right, you're going to feel, you're going to go watch it, right, at some point. Yeah, but, like, in five to six years, <laughs> the, the amount of talent, like, I'm, I'm, I'd rather go for, like, a Neymar. Five to six yeah, years. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's household name, that's always going to be exciting, right, but would you or would you not go see John L.B. McKell if he's playing in the local team? Yeah, at least once or twice. Once or twice? Yeah, once or <laughs> twice. Okay, but you want to And you multiply that by the entire Nigerian community. You know what I'm saying? And you got to remember, Brazilians, there's there's a lot of Brazilians in Miami. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So I think maybe for a big market, it might work um, just bringing them in. And, and maybe if it's a one-year deal, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I definitely think he's going to he's gonna make his way down here at some point. America is an attractive place to live, you know? So... We'll see what happens with that. So, I don't know. Yellow card. That's a good point. I like that. All right. So, let's move on to the next one. <clears throat> no card, yellow card, red card. Twelve, a 12-year-old has been arrested in connection with racist messages sent to Wilfred Zaha. So, before the game against Aston Villa, Zaha received some messages on social media that were racist in nature. And so, they tracked down the person behind it and happened to be a 12-year-old kid. And so they arrested this kid. Um, I don't know if they put him in jail or whatever, but um, a 12-year-old has been arrested in connection with this situation. So what do you guys thoughts on that? Uh, uh, yellow card. I don't think he should be, like, arrested like handcuffs. He just – he was tweeting. He was, a, he was on – he was keyboard warrior or what? It, they, didn't say where, they didn't say where the messages were or where they came from, but somehow he – Got some messages to Zaha. Could have been on Instagram or something like okay. that. Yeah, I give him a, I give him a, a hefty fine to his parents. Maybe suspension from, uh, like school or um, depending on if he was like a fan of the team, then you're not coming, you're not coming to the stadium for sure. But like arrested, uh, that's a little twelve years old. That's just bad parenting, ignorant kid, but. If we're going to arrest everyone, if like top athletes were to go down their tweets and mentions, a lot of people don't get arrested. 
So my mindset's like, just got to block out that noise and just make sure like if they're at least if they're like threatening your life, okay, make sure you, you know, you do the right precautions to make sure like that's not serious and like look into it and then arrest accordingly. But if it's just like comments about your play or like racist comments, like that just comes with the territory. You find them, make sure they're not allowed to support your team if they're like a team supporter. Um, um, and then obviously that like the age matters too. You know, if they're a 12 year old, I'm not really, I'm not losing sleep about the 12 year old sending me tweets. Yeah, for me, it's a red card, straight red, you know, um, 12 game suspension, uh, hundred, $200,000 fine, some jail time, all that, you know, we, we go do the whole, we go do the whole thing. Listen, I, I think I think it sets the tone, right? In England, England has had a problem with racism that has kind of been swept under the rug for a long time. Um, as professional athletes, we have an obligation to perform on the field, and we understand that um, there are going to be, uh, you know, fans and critics alike, right? Uh, but there's there's also something that should be said about our humanity, right? Um, there's, there's a lot of questions that can be raised about why a 12 year old thinks that way. Um, I don't think anybody is born that way. I think you are taught to be that way. So, um, you know, it, 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 it shows that there's consequences to your actions. Um, while I, I think it's, it's virtually impossible to track down every person that has, um, any sort of racist comment, um, on social media, especially directed towards players that are playing in the biggest leagues in the world, it's it's a futile attempt, right? But if you can, I, I don't think you should just dismiss it entirely. I think it should be tracked down if you can. And I think it's great that they did. And I think that this kid should uh, should face what he did, you know? Um, and I think that if we don't, um, and then this sets a precedent for uh, future abuse, not only from that kid, but everyone else who thinks, who, who knows that they, they can get away with it. So I'm happy that that happened. I hope the sentencing or whatever is is harsh, um, and I hope it sets a tone and, and changes the, the directions of things. You know, general abuse is okay, to a certain degree, right? It's it's all what we live with, um, but I think there are certain things that that have no place in society, as such as you know, which is racism, um, which is one of, of many. Those are things that you can't control, and and um, I think it calls into a bigger question of you know, what are we allowing in society, right? So if we just say, hey, there's nothing we can do about it, then it's also like we're accepting it um, and it shouldn't be accepted. Um, but at the same time, I get what you're saying where it's like, it's going to be hard to track everybody down, you know, but I think we should do the best that we can. And for those people who we can um, make them, you know, you know, call up, like make them actually pay for their actions, they, they should understand that it's wrong. So uh, red card, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna increase the suspension. Let's do a full year, uh, <laughs> lifetime ban at, yeah. at those games. Um, you know some some some, you know I got a speeding ticket the, the other day, so I had to do traffic court. So they should have some sort of, you know, classroom setting teaching, uh, you know, and uh, yeah yeah let's 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 go you know let's go hard body on this you know so no I respect I respect hard. I respect those points. I think I think they should use that energy for when there's like, you know, racial chants in the stadiums and deduct points from the teams and like the away teams or the home teams, definitely. I think that 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 same energy that they use for this 12-year-old kid. And like you said, if he, if he made um 
if he made like threats like to against his family or, or him personally okay but if it's just like racial comments i'm in the i one i would be i'm in the camp of athletes should just tweet back recklessly too like okay square up matt barn style like <laughs> <laughs> you know that's going to mess up the money. Yeah, you know that's, that's going to mess up the money, right? <laughs> so it's like Russell Westbrook style. You know, like, okay, you what, what can you do? Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm it's gonna... almost it's almost as if we just have to take it, you know, and that shouldn't be okay too. Like if you look at the NBA, people talk recklessly to the players all the time, and then when you got to run our test, I'm not condoning what he did, but when you have that situation, at the end of the days, the 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 player gets, you know, yeah. ultimately the one that who has a stigma on them. Uh, it, it messes up their, their career. Whereas like the player, they just can't go to watch an NBA, NBA game live, but you know, they're still getting the money. They're still streaming, you know, whereas, you know, a player like what's his, uh, who's, uh, Larry Jackson, no, um, Steven Jackson, you know, I think my best way a couple of days ago, he's like, yeah, people just be tweeting crazy until they get, they need to get punched in the mouth. Like, I feel like you need a, a couple more Ron Artest situations to people like, oh, okay, I can't just talk recklessly to anybody like that. That know? would not happen if people, if people, nobody would do that face-to-face. Exactly. Know? So that's the thing. If you're not willing to do a face-to-face, you know, these Twitter, these Twitter gangsters, you need to, you know, just kind of. They're the same ones that will be at an appearance and like beg for your autograph and then go on. TV. Exactly. Oh, so it's Watch like. your jersey. Yeah. Exactly. From a fake so, account. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Sorry, I get riled up when it comes to that. Yeah. Seemed like that one struck a nerve. You got some personal, personal <laughs> accounts that happened to you? Uh, I mean, do I have any personal stuff? No, nah, because I'm like passive aggressive. So if someone says something to me, I'll like, like play on words and like say something back to them um, in a way where I can't get in trouble, but then like bring the word. <laughs> so I'm good with that. But like I see some people just in the comments recklessly to like bigger athletes or athletes and they just and they just take it or they just have to like address it and like yo fans like this is what i'm dealing with and then the fans will right. but it's like nah like you stand up for yeah. yourself at some point so yeah sorry i can like we can do a whole podcast episode <laughs> i'll give you the blueprint of how to clap back at some of these fans <laughs> fans i mean <laughs> all right for sure all right last one no card yellow card red card Real Madrid is selling Campeones 34 kits to celebrate a title they haven't clinched yet. No car, because they clinched. And they knew they was clinched. That's confidence. It would have been <laughs> real bad. They would have had to, like, you know, like, when they make the jokes on the Super Bowl, like, because they, they print both jerseys, uh, depending on who wins, and then they have to send the other ones away. Uh, it would have been funny, but <laughs> Real Madrid had it in the bag. I know the conspiracy theorists said that, you know, the rest were helping. Madrid this this restart, but Real Madrid had in the bag. Barcelona's in they they're gonna be in a rut for a couple of years if they don't take care of Messi and like figure out a, a, a transition plan. It's, Madrid's gonna be rocking the La Liga for the next five to eight years. So uh, I'm happy for Madrid. Uh, no car. Yeah, I would I would say yellow on this. I th- I think just a it's it's more of a lack of respect. Um, but that that brings into this this is exactly why I said La Liga for me is not that not that strong, right? You said, hey, they're gonna win the next couple years. You know what I'm saying? Who's gonna contend for that? You know, if Barcelona is out of it, then you know, realistically speaking, so 
yeah, I, I think it's just more of a respect thing. But also, I understand that, hey, this is flexing on, on Barcelona and letting them know, like, hey, we got this, you know, beforehand. So, yeah, that's why I went with the yellow. Um, yeah, so that's the yellow for me. How about you, El? What do you think? Uh, yeah, I'll go with yellow. I'm, I agree with Tristan. It's a, it's a lack of respect. You know, like we haven't clinched it, but we will. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Might as well go ahead and go ahead and print it up. Go ahead and print the hats up. Yeah. Print everything. Keep up. it. Keep, yeah. keep it in stock, but don't put it out. <laughs> don't start selling it yet. You know what I'm saying? And for like yeah. a, a place like Spain, where they they they're like big on respect and stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, that's that's kind of you know. But you know, kinda, like when it comes to rivalries, you know, you got to sometimes you got to. You know, yeah, yeah, that's why I didn't give it a red, though. Yeah, I didn't give it a red, you know. So, it's a little flex, you know, go ahead and do your thing, but yeah, that's a yellow for me. Oh, perfect. Uh, okay, so I think that's it. But Tristan, we want to thank you so much for coming on. Uh, let the audience know where where they can find you. You know, you got some things in the works, you you in stealth mode, but you're coming back, uh, rising like the phoenix. Uh, where can we find you? What you got in the works? What's going on? Yeah, the biggest thing for me, I think, just follow follow up on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, Instagram's at Tristan Bowen, and Twitter's at Tristan Bowen7. Um, that's going to keep you guys informed of all the projects and things that I got going on um, that, are gonna be, that are in the pipeline that are going to be released soon. So just follow up there. Um, but yeah, no, big respect to you. You're always doing big things. I'm excited to see where uh, Two Cents FC goes um, from here on out, and I'm always going to support and rock with you, bro. So thanks for having me on. No, much love. So that's our show for this week. Subscribe, rate, and review. It helps us get discovered. Follow us on the socials at Two Cents FC. Check out the merch at Two Cents FC dot shop. Uh, help, it helps support the show. We got some scarves out. Uh, we definitely gonna have a jersey out coming soon. We gonna have a Letterman jackets. We gonna have hats. Hey. We gonna have all that. Uh, hey. L's a, uh, a magician with the creative. So uh, <laughs> make sure you feel support that. Tweet us your comments on the show and any topics you want me or L to discuss on the show. And uh, yeah, let's keep it rocking. You know, we seven episodes in, but uh, we definitely gonna keep this moving. It's a movement and uh, yeah, support the club. With that being said, peace. <laughs> <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs>